You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. All right, in Acts, we're, um, we started last week. Who remembers what we talked about last week? We are in a war. We are, everybody say we're in a war. We're in a war. You believe that? If you've been a Christian more than an hour, maybe more than five minutes, uh, you're probably aware of the fact that we are in a war. I got to actually share, I shared with y'all several months back, we, Vineyard uh, Corporate has kind of rearranged our, organi- our territories, and we are now part of kind of, I guess, the north, some central Florida up. There's about 12 vineyard churches that are now connecting together in our region. And uh, we're doing that kind of by way of Zoom and then once a quarter or so, because it's kind of a bigger area now, we'll get together in person. But one of the things the guy that's leading it has asked us to do is on Sunday mornings, he's asked, there's about 12 of us, so he's asked each pastor to take a Sunday and, and share a kind of like a devotional via group text, group messages. And so mine I actually shared this morning via a text. And so obviously it's supposed to be short. So um, I did this text and, you know, it'd probably take you 30 seconds to read it. And I basically in that text, I just kind of felt I wanted to share some of what I've been sharing with you guys, summed up what I'm going to preach tonight in 30 seconds. So if you don't want to sit around for the hour version, <laughs> you can go on and I'll just send you that text and you'll get the 30-second version of, of what I'm going to be preaching tonight. But uh, it'll be a little more expanded. But um, if you remember, we looked at, uh, we talked about how in the book of Acts, remember as we've been studying through Acts, there was, um, I mean, would y'all, would y'all consider the book of Acts, would you consider they had a revival going on? I mean, would, that's not over-exaggerating what was happening. There was the Holy Spirit had fallen. There was fire happening. There were, there were miracles. I mean, all kinds of crazy miracles. Dead people were getting raised from the dead. Blind eyes were opening. People, crippled people were walking. Uh, I mean, it, people were getting fed. There was, there was all kinds of stuff happening in the book of Acts. Uh, I, I mean, salvations the church was growing I, I mean you would i would consider that time a a quote in parenthesis a move of god would all y'all agree well in the midst of this move of god there was also something else going on and we looked last week kind of just in summary at the number of different things that were happening in acts there was a work of the enemy that the enemy was trying to was trying to attack them and trying to stop the move of God. So he was, he was doing different things. And we talked about some of those things, how there was, you know, just slander. They were being slandered. There was disinformation. There were, they were arresting people. People were getting thrown in jail. People were dying. People were being killed. There were Christians. They were, um, there was torture going on. There were factions or literally divisions already in the church where they were arguing as church people. I know y'all find that hard to believe, but in, in the church, they argued. I mean, that's kind of a weird thought, but that's what happened. They, they, were, they were having different things going on. There was false accusations that were happening. There was um, harassment. There was uh, literally murder of a Christian leader, dissension, controversy, all kinds of things through the book of Acts, simultaneously with a move of God happening, the enemy was there, and he was attacking, and he was causing havoc and, and caused at uh, one place, in fact, as we just started, we were just kind of hitting that in Acts 8 and 9 where, where they were dispersed. The church kind of moved out because of, of persecution and they were scattered uh, into other parts of the country. So we, we kind of looked at how that was going on in the book of Acts. And then if you remember, I'm kind of giving you a brief summary here or, or a review of last week. But if you remember, I, I, I talked to you guys about... Um, how I was kind of, and this is kind of what I shared a little bit this morning in my text was, I'd kind of just over, I don't know, even over the last month or two, I've been thinking about, um, you know, just my sermons in the last 10 years, 15 years, and, and I just, specifically the last three or four years, and I had, had it just kind of dawned on me how much I had talked about um, 
that, that we are in the middle of having tests and trials in our life. Would y'all, y'all, y'all have heard a few of those sermons. Would you agree to that? And how many of you agree you are in the middle of some tests and trials in your life? Some of those things happen to us. And I, I, sh- I've, I often share about that because in real life it happens. And, and I was even under the understanding that when I came to Jesus, you know, many, 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 many years ago that, 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 that wasn't going to happen anymore once I came to Jesus. Everything was going to be wonderful and happy, and I was going to have a wonderful life and get blessed. I mean, that's how I came into the kingdom. Somebody lied to me. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I, my, my sense was is that as I've talked about us going through trials and tribulations, and, and I've shared with you scripture. I mean, there's many, many, many scriptures, and I've shared with you scriptures of how the enemy's the one that's doing that, but in the midst of that happening, how we're to, what's our response supposed to be? And, and we looked at verses like in James where it talked about considering it all joy when you go through various trials and how going through these tests and trials, they do what? What, are they, what happens to you as a Christian? They will, if you, if you go through them with patience or perseverance, what's supposed to happen in you? You're supposed to grow up. You're supposed to mature. Those trials are, can be used in our life to, to, to teach us, to build character in our lives. And that, um, you know, they can build. In fact, this tribulation builds character. It builds patience in us. And so, you know, we talked about all of those things. And in the midst of going through these tests and trials, kind of what our response need to be. But I started thinking about that after the fact. Like I said, I've thought a lot about it actually over the last several weeks. And I thought, you know, when, it, when those things are happening to us, when, when these tests and these trials come our way, what, what is our response supposed to be? And I, my concern is, is if we're not careful, we can almost get this attitude as a, as a Christian that, that when tests and trials come my way, I'm just supposed to kind of accept them. I'm just supposed to kind of you know, bear up and, you know, kind of, you know, get tough and just kind of, you know, let it happen and let it do its work in me. And because it, you know, we know that God works all things for good. And, and we know that in the middle of this thing that's happening in my life, God's going, he's going, he's going to impact me and change me and mold me and, and do all that, which he does. I'm not taking it away from that. But the thing is, is what, how am I supposed to respond? Am I supposed to just kind of Man, I sure hope this hurries up and gets over so I can get on with life. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's, if we're not careful, that can become our response. It's almost like, well, we just, it's going to happen, so you might as well just put up with it. Put your big boy panties on. You know, do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, if we're not careful, that can be the impression that, that I, that's the impression I felt I was getting after preaching all these sermons is my response as a Christian should be, I should just suck it up and deal with it. Because because on the other side of it, God can do good. On the other side of it, I'm going to be more mature and I can count it joy in the middle of that. Well, I, I don't think that's the right response. And I want to read some, some scripture, actually a definition to you. In fact, let's start in James chapter 1. James makes this statement, James 1, verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Is it up there? What's it produce? Patience. Now, my idea, and what we're going to see in just a second, is there's a difference in, I think, the modern understanding or our understanding of what patience is, there's a difference in that understanding and what a biblical understanding of patience is. And we're going, we're going to get into that. But let it have its work in you. Let patience have its perfect work so that you'll be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. And so we talked a little bit about last week, but I want to bring this back up. I really, I really want us to grasp this understanding of what it means to have patience in our life. Okay. We read these definitions. I'm going to read them again. Patience means this. has a much richer, stronger meaning. It can be translated as independent, unyielding. Now think of patience, okay? Unyielding, defiant perseverance in the face of aggressive misfortune and thus to a kind of courageousness. Try that again. 
Here's, here's, here's the biblical meaning of what patience means. Does that sound different than just rolling over and playing dead? Does that sound different than just sitting there and sucking it up? Okay, well, gosh, I knew this was going to come. Bob told me we were going to have trials and testings. This must be one of them, so I'm going to just sit here and endure. I'm going to endure. I'm, I'm enduring. How am I doing right now? <laughs> Here's what patience is. It's this idea of being strong, independent, unyielding, defiant perseverance in the face of aggressive misfortune, this trial, this test, in the face of that aggressiveness and thus to a kind of courageousness that builds in you. Listen to this. Another definition of, of this is not the resignation of a passive Sufferer. Our tip, I think our typical understanding of patience has been is this idea of passive suffering. Would y'all agree? I mean, when I've thought of patience, I've just thought, well, it's somehow this just passivity where I just kind of sit back and just endure. You know, I go through it just with passively. It is, it is not the resignation of a passive sufferer so much as it is the fortitude of a stout-hearted soldier. Are you tracking with me? The difference between just passivity and sitting back and just enduring and a stout-hearted soldier. Here's another one. It's the characteristic of a man or woman who is unswerved. In other words, it's not, they're not swerving, turning from side to side, but they're steady, they're unfaltering. It's that characteristic from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and suffering. That's what patience, when the Bible talks about having patience, that's what it means. Are y'all getting this? Wave your hand, thanks. I see one back there that's getting it. <laughs> Two that's getting it, good. Anybody else getting it? There's three that are getting it, four. All right, man, we're, we're moving. Five, we're up to five. Do I have six? Do I have seven? Do I have no? A little auction going on here. Um, do you see that? I mean, that there, I don't know what it is, but that, 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 that's a big difference between this modern sense of, of patience is where I'm just, you know, it's kind of like I'm hanging on and I'm just, I'm enduring and, you know, man, I know it's going to be tough and all hell's breaking loose, but, but man, Jesus is coming back one day and, and, I can't wait till he gets here. <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of the view we, maybe I'm not, that's kind of the view I've had of what patience meant. And when I started seeing this, that's not what the Bible's talking about when it says be patient or let patience have its work in you. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 10. Do not throw away your confidence. As Christians, are we supposed to be confident? The writer of Hebrews is saying, don't throw it away. Now listen to he wouldn't tell you to not throw it away if it wasn't possible to throw it away. Right? So it is possible as a believer, as a follower, to, to, to lose our confidence, to lose our, our, our hope, our expectation, to lose that stand. And he's saying, don't throw it away. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere. Everybody say persevere. You need to persevere. Now, understand, persevering and patience are like cousin words. They're cousins. They're related to each other. So understand, if persevering, go back to our definition we just learned about patience. Persevering is going to have more of the picture of a soldier standing stout heartily with, with, a, with a purpose of, of, of not swerving. I'm going that way. I'm not turning to the left. I'm not turning to the right. I'm fighting. I'm standing. I'm, 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 in, I'm going through this. That's what he's talking about, persevering. Persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Amen. Somebody say amen. Is that good? That's good enough. We could just go home. But we're not. Sorry, Rock. Yeah, I wouldn't feel y'all got y'all's money's worth if I quit that soon, would you? Don't say yes. <laughs> in light of, okay, let's, let's kind of do a pause in here. In light of where 
we are at today as a as a in the world in this in this day and time there are many um many there are many people christians included there are many christians that are walking in major fear would you agree with that I mean, they're, they're, if you pay any attention, if you just talk in casual conversation with friends, with people, with relatives, with neighbors, with people you work with, just casual conversation, you will hear on a regular, consistent basis, I'm afraid of this happening. I'm, a, I'm fearful this is going to go on. What, what's, what's, what's happening to our, I mean, even in conservative circles, what's happening to our country? It's, you know, it's, gosh, it's, it's, we're going down the tubes. Things are, things are falling apart. You know, is it, is the economy done with? Is the stock market crashing? Are we, are we going, what, am I going to lose my 401k? If you don't have one, you don't have to worry about losing it. I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose my 401k. What, you know, what, and it's this fear, and again, Christians included, that just radiates from people today. And it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it, what, on top of that, you throw in a few diseases. You know, you throw in all the other COVIDs and, and monkeypox and all the other stuff that's going on in the world today. And you, you throw those in, and, 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 and again, people... People are just, they're fearful. And, and, and without Jesus, you have a right to be fearful. Would you all agree? You see, whether, I, I, think, I think whether we believe it or not, I, I personally believe we're in a major turning point, not only in this country, but in the world. And the question is, is how are you going to face it? How are we going to walk into that? And I, I, I don't want to be a, a bearer. I don't want to be a, a doomsday prophet. But <laughs> I, I think we got some tough times coming. Okay. And the question is, is, as a follower of Christ, how how am I going to respond to that? How how am I going to walk into that? I mean, with all the stuff. I mean, God, there's just. I mean, I I've been around real close to seventy years. Real close. My sister's way older than I am, but I, I, and my cousin. All, in fact, is most of my family's way older than I am. I, I, I'm real close to seventy. Okay, and and I, I haven't listened to the news all of my life, but much of my life, you pay attention. And today, I don't listen to a whole bunch of news, but I listen to the headlines. And and I don't, I can't think of a time in my life when when we've been to the point where we're at now. We're literally, I mean, literally everything could fall apart overnight. I mean, when you think of, of Black Monday, when you think of the Depression, the stock market crashing, I mean, literally that could happen. I mean, we could be in the middle of a civil war. And I don't, it's, I'm not talking black and whites fighting each other. I'm talking about the conservatives and the liberals fighting each other. We, that, there's that kind of division and strife that's going on and, and is being fed Guess who's feeding it? Well, guess who's feeding them? The enemy. The enemy is what's feeding the fear. It's, it's, it, 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 the enemy loves fear. But again, based on all the, I mean, you've seen, we've seen in the last few years, riots and political dissensions and, and just, you know, things that have happened with the Supreme Court, decisions that are being made and the strife and things that are happening there. So what, you know, as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, how should I be responding to that? What should my response be? Do I just suck it up and, and, and push through and have patience and God, one of these days it's going to get over and if nothing else happened, I'll at least die and go to heaven. I mean, is, is that is that the mentality? What what should a Christian look like? I I want to throw a few things up here. Here's 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 what I want it to look like. What's a Christian supposed to look like? Is that the way a Christian is supposed to look? <laughs> we're we're just supposed to stick our head in the sand and hope it all blows over, R right? <laughs> we buy more guns, right, right? Wait, wait, wait. Don't go yet. Stick our head in the sand. I, I'm pretty sure that's not what we're supposed to do. Would y'all agree? Uh, what's, what's another possible response a Christian could have? We could roll over and play dead. <laughs> that's a good picture of a possum. 
of a possum. We could roll over. I mean, do you think, I mean, I know some people, they don't quite look like that, but, but that's kind of the response you get from folks. I'm, I'm just going to ignore it. I, hopefully, I'm just going to stick, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to just have my circle of influence, and, and I'm not going to venture outside of it. And, and I don't care if hell, if the world's going to hell. I don't care if, if what's happening. I, right? I'm telling you, that, without Jesus, that could be me. Without Jesus, I'd have a hundred acres somewhere in the woods with high fences, dogs, lights, guns, and my family. <laughs> I, want under, I want you to understand something. That's not the biblical response. <laughs> That's not the godly Christian response that we're supposed to have. We don't stick our head in the sand. We don't roll over and play dead. What's another option? Complete paralyzing shock. <laughs> you ever seen those goats when they, a noise hits them and then they just, they just freak out and fall over <laughs> dead? <laughs> complete, <laughs> complete paralyzing shock. I'm pretty sure that's not supposed to be our attitude. What's, what's another one, Pete? I feel like Vanna White is behind door number. How about quaking in fear? Is that what we're supposed to be doing? I don't think so. How about the last one? Bring it on. <laughs> now, is that cool or what? I have my armor on. I mean, you know what? Don't, don't you want, I mean, don't you want to look like that? I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're standing, see, that dude, I mean, I, I I mean, my old understanding of the word patience isn't what I would put on him. Would you? My newer understanding of what it means to walk in patience, I can see that. This dude, he's standing. I mean, remember Ephesians? Paul says, put on the whole armor of God, and after you've done all that, to do what? Stand. Stand. Take a stand. Put it on. I've got my, if I've got my armor on and I'm standing, then I'm, I'm not playing dead. I'm not just accepting whatever comes my way. It's just, well, that's just what's going to happen. I'm not just waiting. I'm not just putting up with it until it's over. I'm standing. I'm taking a, I'm, I understand that I have an enemy in the middle of a war. I'm in the middle of a war. I love what I think, again, it's John Eldridge that made this statement. That if I don't understand my context of life, that I'm in a war, I'm going to misinterpret 95% of what goes on in my life. Somebody should say amen. 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 Do you understand that? If I, don't, if I don't see or recognize that what's going on in my life, that I live in a context of a war, there's a war going on. If I don't understand that, I'm going to misinterpret 95% of what goes on. You know what my first thing's going to do? If I don't understand I've got an enemy and I'm a war when something bad happens to me, what am I going to do? Who am I going to blame? Who am I going to blame? God, that's our first response is, is something bad happens. Really? I mean, you heard my story last week about my speeding ticket. It's like for my first response was instead of accepting responsibility myself, my first response is really God. My next response is blame the officer that gave me the ticket. The last response is I'd probably even blame Kathy for distracting me. I'm not sure, but I probably did. <laughs> Somewhere in there I should be what? Accepting my own responsibility. <laughs> That I messed up, okay? Again, what's, what's our response? What are we supposed to do? Corinthians says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we live in the world, where do we live? We live in the world. Look what he says. We do not wage war as the world does. What's the world want to do? If the world, if, in the world, if you get insulted, what's your response? I want to insult back. You do something to me, what's my response? I'm going to bow up. We don't wage war. Paul's saying, we don't do it the way the world does. The weapons we fight with aren't weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every presentation that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And look what it says. And we take captive every thought. Where's your thoughts at? Most of us that are up here. <laughs> we take captive. Where, so what's that saying? If I'm supposed to take captive every thought, what's that? where's probably most of the war going to be going on? In my brain. That's where most of our wars are going on. Take captive those thoughts. You know, one of the... One of the things to me, talking about this warfare, there's, there's, I'm going to kind of be hitting a number of different things here tonight because that's it's some of the warfare we're in. But I've, I've seen many, really just in the last 15, 20 years, I've seen many Christians, many pastors, many church leaders, well-known church leaders, people you would recognize by name. I've seen many of them in an attempt to be, to be, politically correct and an attempt to be um, not ostracized by other people, an attempt to fit in, an attempt, some of it's just an attempt to be cool or to be accepted or to be modern, that they've, they've taken a soft stance on what the scripture says when it comes to things like sin. <laughs> and, and many, often the Bible's not preached because we don't want to offend somebody. We don't want to... That's, that's like the code word of this decade, or probably more than a decade, but at least, at least the last 20 years, that's been, the code word is don't offend anybody. Why? Because everybody gets offended, and so we're not supposed to offend them. So guess what? If you want to be cool, if you want to be accepted, if you want to be open, you want to open your doors, and you be certain that you don't preach anything that's going to offend anybody. You follow me? Well, guess what? That's not real biblical, <laughs> and it's not following Jesus. If you preach the word, let me, let me put it to you this way. Did Jesus ever offend anybody? Absolutely. Now, look at me. There's a different way of doing that. Jesus doesn't purposely offend people just to piss them off. You with me? He, he doesn't purposely just attack somebody just to make them mad, but he preached the truth. He told the truth. He spoke the truth in love, but it still offended people. people like this, remember where he fed the thousands and they were so excited and thrilled? They hung around the next day and he preached this sermon about, you know, eating my flesh and drinking my blood, and it got everybody mad and they left. <laughs> And the disciples came to him and said, well, you know, Jesus, you were, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but basically they came to him and said, hey, you know, calm it down a little bit. You know, I mean, geez, we got this following. Look, we had thousands of people following you. They were flocking from the towns and the neighborhood. They were, they were coming, Jesus. You, you could have, you, I mean, you could have taken up an offering, you know, I mean, what, and, and he gets up there and starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking the blood. And he made everybody mad. And they left. And finally he looks at them and said, were well, y'all going to leave too? And what was Peter's response? Where are we going to go? <laughs> you're, the one that, you're, you're the one we're following. Where, where are we going to go? But again, it's like, you know, you don't offend just for the purpose of offending, but you don't... I, I literally have seen, and I don't want to get too specific here, but I, I've literally seen people in the attempt to to draw people in, trying to be nice, trying to be politically correct, specifically not say things they need to be saying, not not preach what God's word saying, calling calling evil good and good evil, ex, being accepting. Now listen to me. As followers of Christ, as a church, are we supposed to be accepting? Yes. Yes. This is the answer. Yes. Okay. But there's a difference between accepting people, opening your doors of the church should be open to who? Everybody. Anybody that wants to come in. 
That doesn't mean you accept and acknowledge and say what they're doing in their lifestyle is okay. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, and, and again, it, it's not like you, you're on your banner and, and you're just against this, against this, against this, against this. You probably ought to tell what people what you're for, okay? We're for Jesus and we're for a lot. But you preach the truth. You preach the word. If the Bible calls sin, sin, then it's sin. If the Bible calls this particular action, whether it's the cool thing of the day, whether it's acceptable or not, it's sin, okay? And we call it that, but, and you don't, you don't, it's okay to open the door. We, we would allow anybody of any, let's just hit this one issue. I know that's what you're all thinking anyway. We would allow anybody with any sexual persuasion that wants to come in and hang out with us, we open the door to them. Okay? We want to love on them, we want to care for them, we want to, we want to encourage them, but we're not going to say this lifestyle is okay and this lifestyle is acceptable because it's not according to Scripture. Jesus wants to set you free from that lifestyle. He loves you right where you're at, but He died to set you free. You don't have to walk in that lifestyle. The problem is, is if we're not careful as Christians, we can make their lifestyle wrong and our lifestyle right. In other words, it's okay to be heterosexual and live with your girlfriend or whatever and come to church and do everything you want to do and be on the board, okay? But it's not okay to be homosexual. Guess what? Both of them are wrong, period. And both are accepted. We will not... We, are you following me? We love people right where they're at. We love on them. We, we, we can have dinner with them. We can have supper with them. We, we can encourage them to follow Jesus, to follow the truth of the Scripture. We're not going to soften things, and we're not going to call something that's evil good just so somebody doesn't get offended. You with me? Yeah. All right. I'm glad you all are with me. <laughs> In fact, as Isaiah says this, Woe, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. They put darkness for light and light for darkness. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. I, I just, again, I've just seen, I, I could name some names. I've seen, there's a, there was a very prominent vineyard church about 10 years ago that was one of the largest vineyard churches in the country that in their attempt, they were very seeker friendly and very, I mean, talk, talk vineyard style courses on, on being seeker friendly. They were very open to, to receiving people. The problem is they crossed the line and began to say, it's okay to live in this lifestyle and be a follower of Jesus. And that's not the gospel. That's not the truth of the scripture. It's not okay to live in the lifestyle, okay? If I'm, I can be, now look to me. Boy, I'm getting sidetracked. I can be a follower of Jesus and still have a temptation to want to go that way. Are you with me? Temptation is not sin. Let me try that again. <laughs> the scripture says that Jesus was tempted at all points like us, yet was without sin. Jesus fought temptation. I know that's sometimes hard to believe. Jesus was tempted. Did Jesus ever get tempted with lust? Absolutely. If he was tempted like I am, he got tempted with lust. If he was tempted like any other regular red-blooded male, he was a tempt. I mean, I don't know how. I mean, all they could see, I guess, back then were eyeballs, but I guess those were real sexy. But um, somewhere or another, he, he was, he was, boy, I could get so sidetracked here. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Kathy, one time, <laughs> I was talking about, I need a place to go where I can have a quiet time. I, you know, I wish I lived in the mountains. I'm just having this conversation. I just love the mountains. It's so peaceful there. And I, I could sit on the porch and, have a quiet time with Jesus, you know, and just, just have a good time. I, I, I get peaceful just thinking about it. Well, she makes a statement to me. Well, why, why don't you just go to the beach? <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, okay. I can go walk down the beach with my eyes closed. 
Because everywhere you walk, there's somebody running around with no clothes on. <laughs> That's going to be a little hard for me to have a good time with Jesus. You know, I, I guess I could just put blinders on or something. But you understand what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> maybe you don't understand that. Anyway, how did I diverge? <laughs> Let's go back to where I was preaching. What? See, I, I, I've seen two different responses. One is... We're not to, re I want you to get this, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we're not to, by, I didn't make you mad, did I? Don't teach him, <laughs> I'm going to come see you this week and make sure I didn't make you mad. Have supper ready for me, would you? <laughs> see, we will put you on the spot here if you get up and leave early. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, what? Where was I at? Oh, here's where I was at. As a follower of Christ, I've seen two extremes in this. I'm not supposed to rejoice when when something bad happens to my enemy. You follow me? I, I can very vividly remember when when I don't remember who it was now, but we took out um, Bin Laden. We, we went over there and took him out. Obviously, evil man. I'm not saying he didn't deserve to die, okay? I'm not saying justice wasn't done when they took him out. If I'd have been there, I'd have probably pulled the trigger and said the same thing, okay? The problem was is that Christians, and I heard many Christians, rejoicing over the fact that this guy was killed. That's not our responsibility, I mean, that's not the way our response should be as Christians. We should not rejoice when our enemy falls. In fact, our, our, our thing should have been, and again, I think there's justice that's supposed to happen when somebody's done something like this guy has done. I, I, I can talk to you about the death penalty. I mean, we can have all those discussions, okay? But the problem is, is what's my attitude when it happens? Am I excited and thrilled and rejoicing that this guy, kill, guy got killed? No, I should be sad that the guy didn't come to Jesus. I should be brokenhearted that he didn't know God. I should be brokenhearted. Here's a life that's going to live for eternity in hell. That should be what my heart fills instead of rejoicing over that. So I don't rejoice over something bad happening to my enemy. I hope that makes sense to you. At the same time, I, 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 the other response that I've seen, man, I'm getting political and I don't necessarily want to, but the other response I've seen is, is, is our, we're not supposed to make heroes out of people that are wicked. You with me? And our culture has done that. Our media has done that. Our country, we've made heroes out of these people that were, that were evil, wicked people, and we turned them into heroes. Okay, that's another opposite response. We don't call good what is evil. I hope that makes sense to you. All right. Wow, that was y'all just introduction. Y'all ready for the sermon? <laughs> just kidding. We are in a war. We need to understand that. When you're in a war zone, you act differently. You respond Differently, if you're in the middle, remember the illustration I used last week. If you lived in Afghanistan, not Afghanistan, Ukraine. Ukraine. Why can't I remember that? If you lived in the Ukraine right now, more than likely you just don't get out in the morning and go for a casual cruise and just walk up and down or drive around and act like you're having a day out on the beach, okay? Just enjoying life. Why? Because they're in a war zone. You respond differently when you're in a war zone. You pay attention. You're alert. Remember the verse we talked about? Being alert. In fact, as I think I got it up there, Peter says this, be alert and sober-minded. In other words, pay attention. Be alert. Pay, watch out what's going on. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to be buddies with. <laughs> Seeking somebody to devour. Guess what, folks? We have an enemy, and guess what he wants to do? He wants to devour you. He wants to devour me. That's his goal in life. 
And we live in that, okay? We live in that, in that sense of we're in the middle of a war. Be alert. Again, like I shared last week, it's not to paralyze you. It's not to say, oh, God, you know, we're... Where's it coming from? Any second now it's going to happen. No, what do I do? I get up in the morning, I put my armor on, I'm ready to walk on, I'm ready to move forward. And if the enemy comes, the Holy Spirit lives in me and the Holy Spirit can speak to me and he can say, pay attention. This person is trying to sidetrack you here. The enemy is trying to use them to divert your thinking to cause you to do something. Look out, watch out for this. Pay it. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit lives where? And us, and he, he can point those things out to us. We're to be alert. Four quick things, four extremes I see when we're dealing with the enemy. One, and we talked a little bit about this earlier, is to ignore him. Just stick your head in the sand. Guess what? You can stick your head in the sand, but guess what? The enemy's still going to attack you. You just can't, what, see it coming. Why? Because your head's stuck in the sand. <laughs> one, another one's give him more credit than he's due. Quit blaming him for everything. Everything's not the fault of the enemy. Some of it's your own sin. Right? Sometimes I just screwed up. It wasn't the enemy that did it. Sometimes it's my own stupidity. Okay? It's, it's, it's not always the enemy, but sometimes it is the enemy, and we need to pay attention to that. That's another one of the extremes we can take. Other one we talked about, I showed that picture last week, of seeing him equal with God. There's no equality there, and the other is blaming God for what we see the enemy doing. All right. We have a thief. What are the works of the enemy? To steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came to give us life. If, in other words, if your health, if something's happening to your health, if something's happening to your finances, if something's coming going on with relationships that you're in with people, guess what the enemy, do you understand the enemy doesn't like you loving people? The enemy doesn't like you being in relationship with people. So guess what he's going to try and do? He's going to try and stir that up. He's going to, he, how does he do, how does the enemy usually stir up relationships? He brings somebody else along and that person does what? Gossips, starts talking, starts saying things. You know, maybe there's, you know, there's two of you that are good friends. This other person comes and gets in the middle of that. And that person said, did you know, you know, I don't, I don't, I probably shouldn't tell you this. But <laughs> you ever heard that? Listen to me. As soon as you preface something with, I probably shouldn't tell you this, don't tell them. <laughs> or if somebody says to you, here's a setup, Okay. If somebody says, I probably shouldn't tell you this, what should your response be? Don't tell me. <laughs> you know what we're careful? We're not careful what our response is. We brighten up. We go, oh boy. <laughs> I want to hear it. I might be the only, I might be the second person that knows this little tidbit of information. Seriously, is it? I mean, part of, Part, where's it at Proverbs? Ah, gosh, come on, brain. Where there, where there is, where there is no tailbearer, something along those lines. The gossip stops, basically. If, if, in other words, for somebody to gossip, you know what they got to have? Somebody that'll listen to them. Supply and demand. <laughs> Supply and demand. That's exactly right. You understand that? I mean, you know what? If you if you become known as a person that won't listen to gossip, guess what? It, the people quit coming and telling it to you. If you you don't have to stop somebody literally, but maybe twice, typically once. I don't need to know that information. They start even if they're sharing it as a prayer request. I don't need to know that information. If somebody did something, guess who you need to be talking to? To that person themselves. Stop it right in the tracks. That's what the enemy loves to do. He loves to come and steal from you. He loves to destroy relationships. He hates it when people are in relationship together. He, it, he loves destroying that. He's a thief, wants to come and kill and rob from us. Jesus, the fact is he get. In the garden, 
when the enemy comes and he, and he, and he tempts Adam and Eve and he, he takes away from them, what? What does he take away from them? God said, God said to Adam and Eve, I give you, he, basically God gave Adam and Eve authority. The enemy comes along and does what? Steals it. He takes it. Okay? He comes along and he tells Adam and Eve, did, did God really say that? Okay? So the enemy comes and steals and he, he takes that back. That's one of the things that was lost. Jesus makes this statement. I came to, let me read it to you. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen to me. That's not just talking, I, I knew that verse most of my life thinking he was talking about lost people. He did come to save lost people. But what he came to do, not just save lost people, he came to take back, when Jesus came to the planet, he came to take back from the enemy what was lost? What was lost where? In the garden. What man lost in the garden, what, what Adam and Eve lost was authority over the enemy. They lost, they lost life. They died. They lost health. All of those things were lost. And Jesus says, I came to take it back. Did he do it? Let me try it again. Did he do it? Was he successful? I think I remember somewhere Jesus making this statement. It is finished. He's done it. It is done. He's taken it back. He's, he's won the battle. He came to do that. And the fact is in 1 John, I'm going to close with this. It says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy, was to destroy the devil's work. Was he successful? Absolutely. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to take back what the enemy had done in the garden. He came to give us back to that, give that back to us. So we now can walk in authority. We have, Jesus gave us authority and power over the enemy, the enemy over all the works of the enemy. He gave that to you and me as his followers. We're in a war, but guess what? It's been won. <laughs> That's probably not good English, is it? Jesus won. He beat the enemy, and we're on the winning side. I love that statement. We're now fighting from a place of victory, not to get victory. You with me? We're fighting from a... We, we're on the winning side. Read the end of the book. <laughs> we're on the winning team. We're winners. Amen? Let's stand up. We're going to start, we're going to look a little bit more probably next week. I may get into it next week. We're going to talk more about what are the actual tactics, some of his tactics. What is, how do we win? How do we fight? How do we resist? It's one thing to be told to resist the enemy, but how do you do it? What do you do when the enemy comes along and starts whispering something in your brain? What do you do with that? You take it captive. You stop it from happening. I love that old statement. You can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can stop him from building a nest there. <laughs> you can't stop the enemy from tempting you. I want you to get that. G temptation isn't sin. I see. I used to think just being, I, how many of you ever read this thought? I just, I can't believe as a godly man, I can't believe I'd even have that thought. Now, if you're a woman, I hope you didn't have that thought, but <laughs> you know what I mean. How many of you ever had the thought, as a Christian, I can't believe I'm even tempted to do that. Am I the only one? No. And, and the, you know what? The enemy used to, he would beat me up. I, literally, I'd get beat up by the enemy for even having the temptation, the thought. I'd beat myself up. I can't, man, if you were more godly, you know what, Bob? Guess who's saying this? Bob, if you were more godly, you wouldn't even be tempted like that. Guess who's putting that thought there? <laughs> How godly was Jesus? Pretty godly. <laughs> like 100%. Like, you know, God. <laughs> 
I mean, it wasn't a trick question, okay? How godly was Jesus? He was God. Without, he had not sinned. He didn't have a sin nature, okay? He was without, and yet he was tempted. I, I don't love that statement, but it, it just, it gives me hope. He was tempted yet without sin. Having the thought, it doesn't, you're not sin because you, the thought came through your brain. Right? Oh, boy. They'll sit back down. I'm going to finish that. No, I'm just kidding. All right, Father, thank you for or just your truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you have defeated. You destroyed. You said you came to do it, and you did it. You destroyed the works of the enemy. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given us authority and power over him. You've given us the ability to walk and victory and freedom. We don't have to put up with his schemes. The fact is we're not, we're not ignorant of his schemes, is what your word says. We know what they are and we can be alert, stand against them. Father, thank you that we can walk in freedom and victory. Holy Spirit, we just we ask you, Lord, this week that you would open our eyes, Father. Show us, Lord, show us where we have allowed the schemes of the enemy to, to enter into our thoughts. Show us where we've open doors show us where we uh, when the enemy attacks dad help us to begin to recognize that as soon as it happens we can say no that's from the enemy i don't receive that i take it captive in jesus name Father, show us begin to teach us how to do that lord thank you lord thank you for life thank you that you've given us life victory in jesus name we pray amen You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.